Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Welcome to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about who's to blame for history's greatest tragedies. Again, a reminder, we're comedians, not historians. First things first, uh, we've been getting a lot of positive reviews, so thank you so much for um, all of the good feedback. I'm going to read one that we got recently. This one is from Walken, D.C., she gives us a five-star review. It's uh, The subject is the perfect antidote to Trump. This is my go-to podcast when the current disasters, climate, Trump, politics, are too depressing to contemplate. Rebecca puts everything else into perspective. Who's to blame? What else is there to ask? I love it. Thank you, Walk in DC. And uh, for all of you listeners out there, feel free to go on our Uh, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe, rate, and review, and tell your friends. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Let's talk about this week's tragedy. Today, we're doing the Irish potato famine. And 
This one's a really big one and we can spend months talking about it. So let's dive right in. The Irish potato famine ranks as one of Europe's greatest agricultural disasters. The famine was a four-year period of mass starvation and disease in Ireland that lasted from 1845 to 1849. The worst year of the period was 1847, known as Black 47. During the famine, the island's population fell around 25%. The cause of the famine was a natural event, a potato blight, which is a fungus called Phytophthora infestans that infected the potato crops. It is estimated that over 1 million people died of starvation or disease and between 1 to 2 million people left Ireland. Because of their emigration, the Irish population is seven times larger in America than in Ireland. Fun facts, a.k.a. death stats. How and when the blight arrived in Europe is still uncertain. However, it almost certainly was not present prior to 1842 and probably arrived in 1844. Ireland's population went from somewhere around 8.5 million before the famine to 6.5 million after 1849, and its population continued to decline in the following decades because of overseas emigration and lower birth rates. By the time Ireland achieved independence in 1921, its population was barely half of what it had been in the early 1840s. Measured in terms of mortality, the Great Irish Potato Famine was the worst disaster in the 19th century. It claimed twice as many lives as the American Civil War. Most of those who died didn't actually starve. They died from famine-related illnesses such as severe stomach cramps and dysentery. Secondary causes of death from the potato blight were scurvy, cholera, typhoid, a relapsing fever caused by tick bites, and xerophthalmia, abnormal dryness of the cornea of the eye, typically associated with vitamin A deficiency that causes blindness. If you had a compromised immune system, these could all lead to death. What an intense tragedy. I have a very special treat for everyone. I have one of my uh, best friends from college on the podcast today, Jacqueline Landgraf. Hi. 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 Thanks for joining us. I'm so thrilled to be here. I can't tell you. Why don't you tell us about uh, your story as a child <laughs> being afraid of Jesus Christ in the in the crucifix? Ah, okay, great. <laughs> we'll go right to that. I think this will explain a lot. <laughs> Well, I, I had a feeling that you uh, asked me on this show because uh, I am like the classic Southside Chicago wintry mix of, <laughs> of Irish immigrant and Italian immigrant. I'm the product of, <laughs> of those two particular... Sure, you are that, but that's yep. not why you're here. Uh, no, no. Um, but I went to 12 years of Catholic school on the South Side of Chicago, and there was a stretch of time where I was intensely afraid of... Uh, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, uh, 
in all of the symbolism <laughs> because when I was in first grade, um, the, this gal like raised her hand while we were talking about religion and stuff in religion class. And she said that she had seen an episode of hard copy in which, <laughs> uh, like the, the crucifix started, uh, the, the crucifix is, uh, started crying. No, no, no. It was like the crucifix's eyes turned red. Uh-huh. And the statue of Mary began crying. Wow. And that did me in for like years. And I should say that it was like, you know, the 80s in Catholic school on the south side of Chicago. So like the iconography is everywhere. Like you can't turn around yeah. without catching the eye of a crucifix or like I a mean, rosary. Catholic school must have been really hard for so you. So it was terrifying. And I like, you know, and it was, I guess it became apparent as a six-year-old, mm-hmm. uh, like to adult figures. And so they had to call in the priest to like stage an intervention. <laughs> lovely like I mean it was pretty like extreme and intense but there's a massive like 10 foot crucifix in the church and they took us they like staged a fake field trip for my first grade class oh my goodness and like the priest was like uh this is a piece of art of our of Jesus you know like it's just a marble it's made of marble um and who and then he brought out a ladder It was like real theatrics. And he brought out a ladder and he was like, who wants to climb the ladder with me to to touch the marble? Tell me you said. And like literally every six-year-old was like straining, raising their hand. And I was like crawling away. And he was like, Jacqueline? <laughs> Jacqueline, maybe this is you for do. You. <laughs> so, like, I have this like very vivid memory of like climbing up this ladder with Father Ed McLaughlin. Wow. And like, you know. F- rung by rung getting closer to the face of Jesus. One of my favorite (laughs) things about that story is how your anxieties and fears uh, caused the entire kindergarten yes, class there was repercussions to to go on a field trip and fa- to face your fear <laughs> i think they learned just, i mean that was a it was a good it was it was good edu- that was good yeah, teaching for everyone yeah <laughs> look at this look at this crazy girl she's afraid of <laughs> totally of a statue yeah i'm not catholic um, anymore sure but uh so <laughs> But you are Irish. I yes, half of half of me. Yes, and um, I think we should start talking potato famine. Okay. But before we start getting into like who's to blame and everything, I feel like we need to do a little bit of a backstory. Okay. Um, because this one is uh, loaded, and I think we need to learn about loaded. the potato. potato. <laughs> Loaded is a loaded word around a potato. <laughs> a loaded potato. That sounds really good right now. Oh, oh man, no, we're really hungry. No. <laughs> so let's learn about the potato. The potato is in some ways a miracle food. It's one of the world's most popular crops. It's cheap and it can grow in almost any climate. And it's also nourishing. It's high in vitamins and minerals like B6 and potassium. And it also is a great starch, high in caloric intake and is a great source of fiber. So essentially, we're never going to look at a French fry the same again right. because we're going to eat it because it's good for us. Yeah. 
Um, the potato is credited with contributing to the increase in population in Europe at the time. It got its time in the spotlight in post-Napoleonic times, 1799 to 1815. Before then, potatoes had only been found in the Andes Mountains of South America, mm. where they had been cultivated by indigenous tribes for more, for more than 7,000 years. Mm. The Spanish conquistadors brought the potato back from Peru and that's when it its growth took off in Europe. Now, I just wanted to put that in there because mm. Jacqueline and I just went to go see Latin history for morons with John Legazamo. Yeah. And we learned a lot about how um, America's, you know, uh, South American um, history or, or just pre-Columbus uh, history right. is yeah. not very well known. Right. So Pre- I wanted to just put that in there. Yeah, so the potato absolutely. is like yes. props to the Peruvians. Yes. <laughs> Yes, give the Peruvians what they deserve. Absolutely. And like, did you read in your research, like, 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 it was a hard sell to get anybody to like potatoes. Yeah, they they were, they, um, they were given to like cattle, right? They were given to cattle and Mm -hmm. mostly um, not used for human consumption. Right. But they were cheap. And like the British knew at some point, you know, that that would be the easiest way to like make sure that their laborers in Ireland could still live like, uh-huh. like on a small plot of land. So they like went on this whole PR campaign, the royalty of England, like Queen Victoria and her peeps went on this big PR campaign to like be like, mm, like <laughs> potato, like look at this new newfangled fad. I feel like the Irish really took to it because yep. it was so easy to plant, essentially. Yeah, easy to plant and you know, like substantial. And yeah, like, like made you feel I, like you I, had something I, in your I was tongue. reading somewhere that um, the Irish men at the time were like 15 uh percent taller and stronger or something like i I don't Ah. know if it was actually 15 percent, but they were just known for being like sturdy workers sure Uh, yeah we are (laughs) we're just tall sturdy workers (laughs) i should have eaten more potatoes you know there's not a lot of potato in uh i'm trying to think is there a lot of potato in cuban uh cuisine not as much as there should be, apparently, because I'm right. four eleven and three quarters. Right, should have. <laughs> yeah, I, too much you know, rice. <laughs> I came at least like many generations where I got I got back the good like hearty That's, stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that, okay. So now you guys are all schooled on the potato. Okay. Now, before we even continue, yeah. I think we need to get schooled on. The uh, Ireland's like very complicated history with yes, Britain because absolutely. again, this tragedy is not just like, oh, okay, so there was a, a potato famine, the, there was a fungus and Among all the us. potato crop died and then there was famine. Right. No, it was, there's uh, a lot of things that had to happen in order for it to be this terrible. Yes. Um, so let's go. Now, uh, King Henry II landed in Ireland with an Whoa. army in way back. 1171. We're, going way We're back. talking 1171. Wow, play the Celtic music. <laughs> Here we go. And he initiated a long history of British governing the, uh, in Ireland. So the English expanded their control over Ireland during the Tudor dynasty mm. of Henry VIII, or Boo. Uh, Elizabeth <laughs> and James I. And by the 16th century, they had taken control of the central government and initiated the policy of confiscation and colonization. There's not much to like about Henry VIII. 
Oh, very little. Yeah. He was a, a a pretty terrible. We just did Anne Boleyn, and oh, I mean, he was he was on the board um, early, and he came out losing. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's sitting yep. in our alarmist jail right now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, as he should. I mean, look what he's look at all the other people he jailed. I mean, yeah, yeah, and Anne Boleyn was just one of them. I I really love this visual of all the people we've ever sent to the alarmist jail are all together, <laughs> and we should make a list of who it is, and maybe a fan could do oh, some fan yeah. art. Oh my god, or fan fiction, yeah. like oh, some erotic oh. fan fiction oh, about what's happening yes. in that jail. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Henry VIII, I'm sure, is like cleaning up in there. Well, someone it, it's out sticky there with the- molasses. That's for sure. Oh. <laughs> do the math and make the art someone out there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so, okay, so 16th century, they've taken control of the government. Oh, confiscation and colonization. That's bad. Mm, mm, this mm. meant that plantation, plantations in 16th and 17th century Ireland could be confiscated by the English crown and colonized with Protestant English settlers from Great Britain, right? Because uh, a big part of it was that the Irish were Catholic and the Protestants, you know, came in and took all of the... Irish Catholic land. Mm-hmm. Okay. During this time period, they took over the land of the Irish Catholics and established penal laws. And that made it illegal for Irish Catholics to bear arms, become officers in the army, serve in apprenticeships, and attend school or buy land. And those who owned the land had to split what they had amongst their heirs after their deaths. Death. So they weren't allowed to leave it to their firstborns is what that meant. Right. They they had to, uh, it was called subdivision and it created smaller and smaller plots amongst the Irish owners because let's say you had six children, you couldn't just leave it to the one, uh, to the firstborn. Mm. You had to break that down into six plots. And then the, those people had kids and then they broke it down into whatever, however many, if they had 13, which wasn't uncommon because you needed them to help you sure. plow, yep. plow the plow land. That land. <laughs> Um, so all of a sudden, before you know it, you've got a, a, a plot of land that's the size of your old New York City apartment. Ah, you know? yes, which is the size of what is what's an equivalent? Uh, a bathroom <laughs> and a small kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. A large pot pie. Like it's the size of a large pot pie, like a Costco pot pie. So this was called subdivision and it uh, like i said it created smaller and smaller plots and in the 17th century oliver cromwell who we all know as our antagonist Boo. yeah from Anne Boleyn Boo, we hate him <laughs> so we're starting to have crossover people yeah because yeah evil just seeps down you know just the trickle down effect he had his hands on a oh, lot of cromwell, evil stuff what a dunce so he put down a rebellion and whatever um land the Irish held on to gave it to the British so he's just sure. like okay it's all yeah, British now God, the British get everything <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> they get all the good musicals all the good plays uh, oh my god yeah like all the good all the, the good great countries <laughs> um now, okay, so that's a little bit of backstory is like what's happening in Ireland like up till now yeah and the I- Ireland and the potato now let's put these two together okay. So the potatoes introduced to Ireland. So this is what you were talking about. Uh, it's introduced to Ireland as a garden crop of the gentry. The potato was not at first popular. Uh, ex- af- however, a promotional campaign that was supported by landowners and members of royalty 
um, who wanted their tenants to plant the crop. Uh, Rose made it very popular, and by the late 17th century, it had become a wide, uh, widespread as supplementary rather than principal food. Mm. Um, and the, the main diet was still based on butter, milk, and grain. Mm. Um, but by 1800 to 1820, the potato ba- became a staple of the poor, especially in winter. Um, further, a, a disproportionate share of the potatoes grown in Ireland were of a single variety, the Irish lumper. That's the Irish lumper. <laughs> yep. Good old Irish lumper. <laughs> Are you familiar with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love a lumper. Oh. Well, I oh. guess I got to look it up next time I go to Whole Foods. <laughs> <laughs> You'd love a lumper. We all love the lumpers. So with the expansion of the economy between 1760 and 1850, potato was increasingly adopted by the people and became a staple food. Um, and yeah, so the lack... Okay, so this is important. Their dependency on the crop and the lack of genetic ver- uh, variability among the potato plants in Ireland, um, which were uh, two of the reasons why the uh, emergence of the fungus and, and or the blight um, had devastating effects in Ireland and right. in other places in Europe. Right. Like the, it's like the monoculture, right? Like that it's like it just, they were totally dependent on one crop. And then it was like not only just one crop, but it was one um not strain like one yeah, kind it, of potato exactly so it's not strong so it, i always think of uh like dogs um and mutts mm-hmm. you know how they say that like mutts are really strong yeah. strong sturdy dogs right. you know because they've been uh uh, just, you know, who knows? Yes. They're not purebred, essentially. No, science wants us to mix it up. Yes, Humans, mix it up, people. animals, food. <laughs> like, we need a variety. We need to get together. We need to mix our strains of potato. We need to copulate, you know. So here's where we are. Here's it's where 18, we are. It's the 1840s. Okay, wow, here we are. And um, the Ireland is unreasonably dependent on the potato. Yeah, well, the, the poor are yes. because there there's a lush land of all the other abundant exactly. cornucopia of, of crops because it's Ireland and you know what Ireland looks like it's beautiful yeah you know what Ireland looks like <laughs> you know and so there's lots of great stuff going on but then like you know 90% of the pop 98% of the population is only allowed to eat potatoes so let's dive into who's to blame all right i know who but <laughs> we do that we have to take a short break and do some commercials yay when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, we're back, and I'm feeling thirsty oh my for God. blood. I mean, off the bat, okay. are you... Are, are, I'm already feeling a lot of feels like this particular tragedy has really made me feel a lot of feelings that have only been able to um, be satiated or cured by listening to (laughs) by binging (laughs) like I've just been having playing zombie the the, 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 the zombie by the cranberries like on loop. Oh, well, I was here doing what you, I was on my way here and in the car in traffic. I was listening to like old Irish folk song ballads and weeping. Oh, just like my childhood. Yeah, it's like a good party in my childhood. I, I love how you love the old <laughs> Irish song. And I, it's just like the heavy metal. Like, <laughs> I dare you not to listen to both of those. I know. Yes, this is over. absolutely. Um, so I also want to say Black 47 was a very pop in my hood, like a very popular uh, Celtic punk rock band what? that I used to go see all the time at Gaelic Park when I was growing up, Black 47. And what was their sound like? They were like Celtic punk. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Black 47 after the hardest named after the hardest year yeah. of the famine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you grew up in a neighborhood with a lot of Irish immigrants? Uh, yes. So yeah. so many Irish immigrants. Like my family was one of the only families around who like didn't have a brogue. And so we were, I'm like, I'm like ancestrally, you know, predisposed to sort of have a a, a strong bias about the potato famine. <laughs> <laughs> and was schooled in a way where they kind of were like, and this is who you we should, should care all be about angry this. at. Yes. <laughs> so let's uh, just off the bat, I want to put American ships on the board. Wow. Yep. I know. Yeah. I know that, that we're we're coming in strong from we're Latin America, hot. right? Like because it started down in well, Peru, yes. Mexico. Uh, no, I, I don't think that they actually. maybe we can double check that where the ships actually came from. But from what I read, they were just coming from America. Um, And I wrote down that in August, 1845, an American ship, some American ships landed in Southern England, carrying an airborne fungus. And the fungus was carried by winds across uh, England, then to Dublin and a cool and moist Irish summer, which which was not common. Oh, uh, the from what I read, it was unre uh, like uh, 
not usual. Okay. Um, it provided the perfect environment for the fungus to grow. Sure. Fungus, you know, you know how they love wet things. Yeah. So the healthy potato crops began to rot and the stench was overpowering. Mm. Half of the crops were gone, rotted, and the stench, unlike any they had ever smelt, prevailed. Oh. <laughs> now the blight. Okay. This is the fungus. Of course. we got fungus put, among us. We got to put the fungus up on the board. I mean, we know that that's what technically yes caused it yes and i would say that like your your average american kid or you know most people i think would would have heard about the famine that like it it, it was sort of like an act of god you know like this this blight happened there was right. nothing we could do about it and it went was rampant and the irish were so dependent on the potato crop and like like la 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 like don't look over here there's no other reason but right but let's the not potato. think about it yeah. yeah but now we know and you will all know that that's not what right. it was there's other players oh involved. my god so the, this fungus that is um Making its way toward Ireland is, <laughs> you know, summer of it in, in 1845. I, I do have confirmation that they the ships were from North America. North America. Mm, mm, um, okay. Oh, man. Another and, and, thing that we did bad. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so the... the um, summer of 1845, we've, we've got the arrival of this disease, right? And before that... Um, only two main potato plant diseases had been identified. One was called dry rot or taint. And uh, the other one was a virus known as curl. Um, and these were a variety of parasitic non-algae and not fungus. Curl sounds so innocent. Like you're, you're like, oh man. She I bet died you they're the totally cur- gross. If you curl. Google them, they're probably like totally gross. Sounds like such a cute thing to die from. Like, curl. like a, for she a, has a curl. She a has potato curl. to die from? These yeah. are for the potato. <laughs> right. Like, uh, like look at that potato with a curl. Not cute. It's not cute. And it should have a worse name. <laughs> so the, the leaves on uh, what starts happening it, uh, the leaves on the potato plants suddenly turned black and they curled and then rotted and seemingly the result of a fog that had wafted across the fields of Ireland. Mm. So the cause was actually, uh, as we know, the fungus and um, the plants fermented while providing the nourishment the fungus needs to live, Aye. emitting a nauseous stench as they blackened and withered. So this is a... Aye. Absolutely disgusting visual. Um, potatoes dug out of the ground at first looked edible, but then shriveled and rotted within oh, days. Man. And then the potatoes had been, att- that's how you knew they were attacked by the fungus. Mm. Um, so everything was essentially destroyed. Mm. And of course, people start freaking out and the hunger grew quickly. I mean, yeah. y- imagine you're, you're a farmer and all you have at this point are these plots of land, which you're only, by the way, growing potato. Right. Because it's the most reliable crop. You put all your eggs in one basket. Right. You're you're only growing potato for yourself. Uh, once again, like for yourself. You're growing a lot of stuff in Ireland, but that's all being exported out, especially to England. Right. So there's tons of stuff growing in Ireland from... 1845 to eight, eight. Sure, but yeah, none of yeah. these people have access right, to it. Right, they can't afford it. And 
you know, you're looking at your family and you're like, okay, well, all I, I, I banked on was the potatoes. So what do we do now? Right, right, exactly. Um, and uh, on top of that, these people are not eating. They're getting weak. They can't work the land. They begin to lose their land. And this is just a, a vicious spiral or right. a downward spiral. Right. This is the beginning of this terrible tragedy. Um, so I, now I feel good now. We have the blight. Now I, I, I feel like we can start talking about the the British. Okay. And how this comes into play. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, these imperialists. <laughs> so the, at the top of the social pyramid was the ascendancy class Mm -hmm. this is uh the english and the anglo-irish families who owned most of the land Mm -hmm. and held most of their more or less unchecked power over their tenants Mm -hmm. so uh some of these estates were vast um and many of these were absentee landlords that lived in england right so the rent revenue collected from the tenants who were paid minimal wages and uh to raise crops and livestock for export was mostly then sent to England. Right. So none of these people are, the money's not coming back essentially is what this means. And we all know that that's really bad. The money's not coming back <laughs> yeah, the, to England. No, no, it's not. No. It's only going it's to England. It's only going to England. And it's not right. being used in Ireland. Can we, just because we're feeling yeah. judgy. Judgy. Uh, put these British absentee landlords. Definitely. And like these absentee landlords, am I right? That they're like, we're talking like all the Jane Austen heroes, like Mr. Darcy and the Bronte heroes, like Mr. <laughs> Rochester. Like like, th- like they, those those handsome, lazy guys uh-huh. and their friends uh-huh. are the landed gentry. So right? yeah, it's nice to put a visual, a nice, handsome right. British man. Right, like nice, <laughs> handsome Mr. Darcy. Probably played by Hugh Grant. Mr. Ro- yeah, like some 90s. Hugh Grant, Colin Firth character. <laughs> According to the uh, historian Cecil, Cecil Woodham, Woodham Smith, landlords regarded the land as a source of income uh, from which as much as possible was to be extracted, with the Irish brooding over their discontent in sullen indignation. Um, and the landlords uh, largely viewed the countryside as a hostile place in which to live. Some of the landlords visited their properly, property only once or twice in a lifetime, if ever. The rents from Ireland were generally spent elsewhere. An estimated £6 million was remitted out of Ireland in 1842. So, again, this is just to our point. These landlords, I mean, I, I want to put a, a, a big bad landlord on Big there. bad landlord. And, and in my understanding, like, they, they, those landlords maybe, maybe generously came to Ireland, wild, rugged Ireland, maybe once a year or yeah, once every care. two years. Yeah. I think, should we also put, like, the, these middlemen then? Like, these, like, corrupt like these corrupt tenants who are then subdividing the who are making it smaller demand was high for farmers um yeah they they keep they kept making the plots smaller and smaller and jacked up the rent this was a big problem yeah they're like the psycho airbnb hosts 
and yeah which are like now all of a sudden instead of renting you the whole house they're renting rooms yeah tiny little rooms and they're like here's a little and you can put a tent in the backyard and that's a hundred dollars yeah 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 (laughs) exactly and then they're like being total tyrants and evil and making sure that yeah and and in my understanding like part of their their tyranny was that um you know the the Irish peasants who were working for them, they they had to pay rent, but like they they could only pay for their little plot of land right. to to maintain the food for their family. Yes, so like all they were able to make, uh, money wise, like for keeping up the land, was just enough to sustain their little plot of potatoes. Yeah, and I I think they weren't even making actual money. I think the way they paid their rent was through providing the potato or like working the farm. Right. That was the exchange that was had. Working the farm and the livestock. Like they were, because again, like they were just mostly eating the potatoes. The peasants were eating the potatoes. So like what, a big important part of this is, and and a big takeaway I had was shit trickles down. Trickled. Well, you know what I mean? Yep. Except for wealth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> except in the Reaganomics way no I'm just saying like the, the landlord's mad and doesn't want to deal right. with it then all of a sudden the the uh the landlord doesn't want to deal with it right, right? yeah the, I mean the, the, the landlord's like off chasing Jane Eyre somewhere like he doesn't care you know like he's eating pheasant under no. glass yeah like no one cares no one cares but the middle the middlemen are angry yeah. or they're mean they're they're mean and and let's face it, this is was and this was a big part of it. They didn't like their perception of the Irish. It was like they didn't want to care about them. Right. They, uh, you know, they 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 were absolutely looked down upon the, yeah. the Irish at the time. Right. Um, and this became like from from what I understand, like there there was this first wave of the famine, you know, like and right away there could have been an attempt to stop it. But then the British started talking in quotations about the Irish problem. Right. You know, just Which was uh I, I feel like I read somewhere that it was like they, they, they regarded um the the British saw the Irish as um slow cousins who needed a firm hand in in terms of management. Right. right. That was something I saw uh I read. And they they just didn't want to deal with it. The British uh, officials just didn't want to deal with it. Um and in the 1830s, here we go. Uh 1830s early 1840s. There there was a, a very long parade of Irish exports experts who came when the, when the famine started occurring and word mm. got back to uh, Britain that uh, members of the they, they did this like government commission and members of parliament and political economists would visit Ireland and you know weigh in yeah weigh in like kind of like bring back like <laughs> mansplain tales. to Ireland yeah. what's going down <laughs> like yeah things aren't very well you guys are too yeah, lazy yeah, yeah. it's well literally that they would say they would probe every facet of the Irish economy the Irish mind the Irish family the Irish work ethic the Irish agricultural system Irish procreation rate and then return home in despair and write a book explaining why Ireland was the worst place in the world this is what I read. <laughs> wow. Which doesn't that sound so familiar? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice way to like to spin and to keep people impoverished and to keep people far away and to keep people, you know, like to keep people across the across the channel being like, oh, I'll never go over there and check it out for myself. Like what? 
stupid. No, and also, and, and if you come from that, then um, you're, you're lesser than essentially. Yeah, you know, because it's it's a why would why why should we care? It's the worst place on earth. Why should we care? Right, right. Be better for us if like some act of God just took them down. So maybe we can put down on the board like British, just the British perception of. Uh, Definitely, like, and racial. I mean, it, racism. It was, it was yeah, racism. like it was totally right, ra- like British racism, like, and and like you know the oppressor, the oppressor, like having the good publicity hounds. You know, like they like they had good. They spun it. Well, bad guys always have the best publicity. Yeah, they have such good PR. We learned that in the McDonald's. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, they were spinning the stories then. So what what are we deciding on? It's like British, British, um. British, um, should I go to thesaurus.com? Like yeah, <laughs> like, like racism, elite, elitism, like, um, Ooh, I like that elitism, British imperialism. Elitism. I mean, it's really that it's like they conquered Ireland. Yeah, but it, it is before. more than that. It's like actually, um, thinking le- they were, they thought less, yes, they, they thought less of them. Yes. They thought they were like crude animals. Um, so unruly, crude, lazy yeah. animals so i mean let's just put the british and their uh british elitism yeah slash racism slash like yes. anti-irish sentiment or i guess it's just right ra- it's just racism it's racism <laughs> yeah i read um you know this is a real kick in the teeth like the economics advisor to queen victoria yes did you read that quote um tell me and, you know, he said uh, only one million Irish are likely to die, and that will not be enough to do much good. Oh, what's his name? Put him on the board. Nassau Senior. How about that <laughs> name? Well, okay. So we have so much to cover. I oh can't even. So there's the I- Irish farmers. It's the British. It's the gotta, British. You know, <laughs> but I, I want to put up on the board the Irish farmers because did they, the question is, did they do this to themselves? Mm. I know it's an unpopular thing to say. Mm-hmm, sure. But, but we're, we, uh, you're uh, we trying to run a fair podcast here you know yes they had the choice what what was the choice of growing uh, of of the the making the choice to uh only grow the potato it it was it's a fear-based uh decision you know what i mean like they 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 didn't have a lot of options right so now i'm not blaming them i'm not saying you know they could have like picked another thing but because they probably didn't have a lot of options and but they weren't taking risks and you can't blame someone for not wanting to take a risk but essentially that bit them in the butt later yeah it's hard to say because like you know I'm just making that argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yeah, but it's like these same Irish peasants are still like you know they're working the land where there's other crops going. Uh, you know, like right. they're they're seeing the potential of other crops, but those are all getting exported to England. Well, that that was one of the grossest things um, about this tragedy. Yeah, and and it's not talked about um, a lot. You know, when when you just kind of gloss over the the history of the famine, which is there was food in Ireland. There was so much food in Ireland. In fact, the exports in the years of the famine uh, increased. Right. There was a, an, an abundance. There's but a they good were, song. But they were all like British. They, those were the British crops. They were exporting, you know, the crops like grain, dairy. Well, the British were yeah. like, like uh, because they, they wanted these to are make, mine. And they wanted to make money off of it. 
Instead of sure, taking sure. The, the, the country that's literally starving, right. they're taking it out so that they can make money. And these are like the, the people, like the, the people who had, who were trying to help Ireland, like right away, were like, it is clear what we must do. We must like open the ports. It's an island. Right. Like, let's open all the ports and let people bring things in. And let's, um, y- you know, like, let's make sure that nothing goes out until all of the country is fed like that is like the ethical thing and that is like sort of what that they were not interested in doing that yeah they weren't and it was like and that's why it is often you know like in irish history this is referred to as a genocide yeah i mean i I, i've read it's all how you see it right and and if you get the facts of like what actually what the british did to not help that you know inactivity right. is just as bad as um actually you know causing harm right it's like the like let them eat cake you know like queen victoria was like let them you know eat cake nothing <laughs> <laughs> let them eat nothing i'm i'm seeing here on um an interesting article on pastemagazine.com Ooh. uh that they're citing that the british government at the time was described as being committed to laissez-faire. Yes. Right. I, I think we should put the British laissez-faire mm-hmm, approach mm-hmm. on the board. So right. they, they thought that Ireland really should learn to stand on its own two feet. Right. Like the, the, the essence, am I right, of, like, of laissez-faire is like we're, we're not going to tie government up with economics. Right. Like you're, you're, uh, you're on your own. You're on your own. It's, it's like tough love. Right. Tough love. Bit. But then like what we know is like everything comes down to economics and it's just a way to manipulate like the, them getting the favor right. of, econo- of like all the economic abundance uh-huh. because there is tons again there's so much abundance in ireland it's so upsetting to read all of that and yeah. this uh, same article is is blaming the famine they the headline is the irish potato famine was caused by capitalism not a fungus i mean that is a, a, an argument that i've i've read and so was it a genocide, right? Mm-hmm. The question, was it genocide? Was it capitalism? The source of contention I, I read somewhere is, is the lack of intent. It's not much more, uh, it's not so much that the British hated the Irish and sought to exterminate them. It was uh, the more neutral capitalist approach. But the thing about capitalism is that there are winners and losers, and that's how the system works. So should we judge the British for failing to concern themselves with the losers? Not just in retrospect, but on the front end. If they had been thinking of beyond their coffers, could this have been avoided? Mm. Right? Could I mean, this have been avoided? I absolutely. Think, absolutely. And I think they had, it was years, you know, like there was plenty of time. There was plenty of people giving them advice as to how things could be saved, you know? Yeah. But I... I feel like the British went, it was more than just like turning a blind eye to it. Like, I think like there was like a big campaign in, in um, England, like a, this global campaign to be like, give money to the Irish, give money to the Irish, right. like ba- like queen, coming down the- from Queen Victoria. And then the, the English kept all the money. Yeah. And they, I, I want to say that like the, the amount she gave was a hilarious, like, hilariously small amount that she actually ended up giving. Yeah. Um, America... Can we put Queen Victoria on this? Yes, absolutely (laughs) Queen Victoria. I mean, I mean, she has a responsibility. She definitely, she's the figurehead. And, uh, you know, 
let's talk about like some of these actual um, bad guys, right? Yeah. I've, bad, I've got down bad guys. Sir Robert Peel, Ooh. who was the uh, prime minister uh, in the beginning of the famine, mm. followed by Lord John Russell, who was the prime minister uh, after in, in 46. Okay. So first Peel, um, he decides to summon a, an emergency meeting. Uh, to look for a remedy for Ireland. And he decides that he might want to repeal the Corn Laws. So this is where it, it gets like very complicated, mm. people. So the Corn okay. Laws, it, there's a lot of like British bureaucracy sure. that is also tied into this tragedy right. and, and, and slowed down relief efforts. Right. Um, so the Corn Laws were tariffs and other trade restrictions on imported food and grain uh, uh, enforced in the United Kingdom. Kingdom and the word corn in British... Um, is, you know, all grains such as wheat and barley. And they were designed to keep grain prices high and to favor domestic producers and represent British merc mercantilism. So the Corn Laws mm. impose steep import duties, making it too expensive to import grain from abroad, even uh, when food supplies were short. Hmm. It's very complicated. Um, but what happens is that he he brings it to um parliament right and they it, it's essentially what got him out you know ousted as the prime minister because he was like we should repeal these corn laws right mm. allow right and he sort of secretly did right like he yes he made he made an attempt it sounds like he to, spent, like subversively like save ireland and he, he brought cornmeal from america right yeah 100,000 uh, pounds on American uh, maize. Right. So they brought cornmeal basically from America. Yes. Underground. Like I bet Queen Victoria didn't like explicitly know this was going down. I I'm not sure who knew about it or not, but I know that you're right in that it wasn't, he went a, a behind their back. Right. And so wait a minute. Could we put the corn actually up there? Because there, I, I was reading that, um, the this was part of the relief effort so they bring this corn and as a result though they weren't able to um eat the corn right because this is a big problem right because like the irish are like what do we do with corn you know like like what do we they do don't with have corn? the machinery yeah they don't have the machinery and then like they yeah they didn't quite know what to do with it and then it had to be it had to go through this process that they didn't really understand and then when it did like their digestive systems couldn't, couldn't handle, handle it. it yes because the corn had to be dried um into kernels in order to be shipped right because it has to go through this transatlantic mm -hmm. Uh, journey or whatever and um then when it got here right first of all right the poor never got it the poor never actually got the the corn the 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 irish that had like a little bit of money right just kind of hoarded it all so that's sure. which i was in everything i've read they say that this is actually a problem with relief efforts um in a lot of places mm. like the the poorest the people who really need it the most don't even get it. It doesn't even get to them. Right. This is where the trickle down doesn't work. I know. When it's good, it doesn't work. So when they, they bad, didn't even get works. the corn, right? They're not even getting the corn. And the people who did get the corn um, didn't have the had machines. The shits. <laughs> didn't have the what? Had the, <laughs> well, yeah. Then they had the shits. Or, or they, uh, uh, they didn't pass through their intestines. Yeah. So, so some people them, died. Yeah. 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 It was very, it was very dangerous. So let's put a uh, maze up on the board. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was actually, uh, it's actually to blame, but it definitely didn't help. 
It didn't help. You no, know, and it no, makes it made, me feel it good. Exacerbated it. the problem. Yeah. Yep. And then um, Lord John Russell, the Prime Minister, John what did Russell. He, do? he took I don't like him over, already. He took over uh, Peel, Robert Peel. Okay. And he was a bad, bad guy. He was oh. the one who believed that Ireland had a cancer of dependency. Mm. And they didn't, uh, they, uh, of course, he didn't care that the Irish poverty was like really a result of like British bureaucracy, right? They, they didn't care about that. They just believe that the Irish wealth should um, relieve Irish poverty and they rejected uh, the policy of direct state intervention or aid. Sure. It is just a, a great little model of the cycle of oppression. This is how we do it. It's this is how we do it. Terrible. Oppression. And September 1847, this was this was Black 47. Okay, Black right? 47 is the worst. Russell's government ended what little relief they made available and demanded that the uh, poor law rate uh, be collected before any further money be made. I think it was an attempt to to get, it was an amendment, and it was like, the, like it was trying to get the landed gentry to take care of their poverty. It's like, right. it's like, this poverty is happening on your land, take care of it. And, and weren't they making, like, they had soup kitchens, uh, and they were like feeding three million Irish people. You know? Yep, and they were like trying to do. They were sort of doing like a, a WPA equivalent, you know, like they were trying to like do some social programs where, like, instead of farming, they would send them to work in other ways. So Russell says, "Okay, we're stopping that. Let them figure it out on their own." Hmm. So John Russell is going up on the board like so quickly. Yeah, John Russell. He doesn't even know what hit him. No. Do you have this guy Gregory? No, tell me about Gregory. I forget what his first name is. He doesn't even deserve a first name. Gregory. <laughs> I love this. Like, Gregory, you're on the list. Gregory should be on the list because there was like, he he did something that was very, uh, that really impacted the famine and was very evil, which was like, he said that you could only get anyone who had a quarter of land, uh-huh. of acreage, a okay. quarter acre of land could not get relief what just a quarter acre oh so you had to be extremely poor it's so like you this had is the to, whole like medicaid this like, is everything you have to be so so you had to poor. give away all of your land oh, in gross. order to get relief that's i mean it's so gross and so he he's the one who like passed this he passed that law and then it was like so now you've lost everything and you've and this like effectively i don't know what year this was but like it effectively like kind of obliterated all integrity in ireland you know because like you had literally nothing left and that was the only way to sell all of your to get rid of all of your land to give it up was the only way you could get relief and the relief was so terrible and you're probably going to die anyway I mean, it's so upsetting. I keep thinking about um, the homeless. You know, L.A. has a homeless crisis. Um, just the, uh, the the fact that, you know, some people like never get off. You know, this this like cycle, cycle. of of poverty because they're dependent at, at a certain point. It, they have to keep, stay poor in right. order to um, survive. And it's like when you go into something like the Irish famine, it's like it's the tale as old as time. It's like it's just the same the same methodology recycled in different ways. You know, it's like this mastermind of how to stay on top. Yes. You know? Like and to like keep the oppressed oppressed, keep the keep people down. And 
you know, another thing I was reading was that these people had nothing, right? And they would sell uh, whatever they had to buy these tickets to come. So now they're like, okay, we got to get out, right? Because yes. we're, we're going to die if we stay here. So they're uh, buying these tickets. Um, and this is where the, the coffin uh, ships come into play. Ugh. I believe they were called coffin ships. Um, those were the ones that went to Canada. And, and those were cargo ships that came to Ireland and then going back they would just pile them uh just fit people in in the cargo and you had to pay three pounds which sounds like nothing but back you then it was like four that it's equivalent of like four thousand dollars or something like that whoa and uh they would have like I, I want to say like out of a hundred thousand people I, I I remember the stat a hundred thousand people that went on these coffin ships, uh, 20,000 died. So you had, we're talking about uh, uh, two, two out of 10 people on these ships died. It's just terrible. The other option was to go to America, which a lot of them did. And the ticket for that um, ship was something like five pounds, something like that. Uh, so it was more expensive. Right. But your odds of getting there, there were there were less people on those ships, and uh, it was easier. And you kind of had family there, so that was a better option. But it's also like you get to America, and this is the moment where it's like Irish need not apply. So like, uh, not that it, we can make any connection to today, but like you've you've survived these past years yes. of of intense suffering yes and you've made it out and like through some like will through some stroke of great luck and and will like you've made it over to america and irish need not apply and i mean we see that right now with all of the people coming from central exactly, america yes, yeah. and um it's this i'm telling you this tragedy has really shaken me in a way that I was not expecting. It's a good time to re-examine it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, 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 you know, these are people that are, are, are literally starving. Um, and, uh, the British are just letting them die because it's, it's, um, they don't want to deal with it. They it's like Reagan it. during the AIDS crisis. It's like it's like maybe this is just naturally going to wipe out the thing that exactly. we need to be wiped out. And that's what's so gross about this. Right. They it, it was racism in in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And I, I, maybe we can start um, crossing. Let's really start crossing people off. I have I something to important. cross out. I have something that I think will will help us counterpoint. Like I feel like I have a counterpoint that we can wipe North America maybe off the list okay. because. I like something that we did well, at least, uh -huh. is that the U.S. sent over the equivalency of five hundred and forty-five thousand dollars in charity to back to Ireland. And the thing that's most moving, and the thing that I did know about from my own family, um, who talked about this and like and speaks like with such gratitude towards like the indigenous people of America, is that the the Chocta tribe. Did you know this? No. The Chakta tribe, um, who had just 16 years before been sent out of their homeland in Oklahoma on the uh -huh. Trail of Tears, uh -huh. they got together and they raised money for Ireland. Wow. And they sent over $170, which was the equivalent of $5,000, to Ireland. Wow. And now there's like this deep, it's so moving, and like there's this deep connection between that tribe 
who I believe may still be in Eastern Oklahoma and Ireland. And like they connect each, like there's all these memorials and they connect each year and like the Irish come over and they walk the trail of tears in in solidarity. I had no idea. Like they, and they had just, they were barely, not even at all recovering from their own poverty and starvation and suffering. And they raised money for the Irish. Well, the Choctaw tribe that was not even on the list is definitely now not going on the list. No, they're going. <laughs> they're on the board of heroes. They're on the yes! board of directors. They get to, to run the world. They're on the board of directors of the world. So I, I'm with you. I mean, we always like put, you, you know, we're, we're quick to put US, yeah, USA up on the board. Um, but I think for this one, they're actually <laughs> heroes. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I wish they continued this path of uh, heroicism. <laughs> yeah, remember, remember when we behaved in more in a more exemplary way. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I think that we can take these American ships. Like, although they did bring the yeah, it, what they didn't know, light, they didn't know, they didn't know, and uh, I, I just don't think it's fair. I, I'm not saying that because you don't know that you're causing harm doesn't no. mean you're to blame. But, like, but in this instance, yeah. the potato caused the blight, but the English caused right. the it famine. It was unfortunate. So I'm taking off. Okay, so everyone out there, I'm just going to run through like what we have up on the board right now. American ships, uh, the but fungus. We just took that off, right? We just took that off. Okay. But uh, okay, the fungus and the blight. Uh, British absentee landlords, the big bad landlord. Uh, British elitism and racism. Nassau Senior. <laughs> that and he was the uh, he was the 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 guy who was like you you can't get relief right um, right 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 if you have more than or if you have a quarter land you can't get relief yeah uh, the quarter Irish right. farmers British laissez faire Queen Victoria herself the Queen Mays <laughs> John Russell just Mays. Uh, uh, Peel, Prime Minister Peel. Right. Remind us what John Russell. John, uh, John Russell. In okay, a nutshell. so Peel was the first Prime Minister, and then John Russell. Right, and Peel, Peel, but Peel did the. Yeah, but Peel's I mean, Peel doesn't. He still had like some strikes. Yeah, yeah. Against okay, him. okay, sure, sure. He, sure. he wasn't like a, a, a sweet guy. He he was the one who like sent the people um to take uh, uh you know the 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 Irish are seem to always exaggerate that was a big thing uh, like yes irish exaggeration oh, right. they're such drama queens <laughs> oh my god they're saying they're I mean, starving they are, but, over there yeah, right so he sends people and they're like yeah ireland's terrible and he's like all right well let's right, sit it's on pr it for i mean i do it's P, something like like public relations like marketing on the board because i just marketing. think it's like the spin the spin factor okay i'm putting that up on the board marketing. british spin british spin british spin um so, and then we have gregory Gregory. Uh, which you can't remember his last name. His first name. Oh. His last name is Gregory. It's like stupid Gregory. So, Wussy Gregory. Off the bat, we're crossing off American ships. And I, of course, I think we should take off Irish farmers. I th- yes, I mean, absolutely. They, 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 did, they should have known better. No, and I, now we know that, you know, you don't want to just plant one crop. Right? Sure. You know, you, you got to uh, mix it up. Yes, people. we learned that. We didn't have an, We didn't know enough. We learned back that. Then. And now yes. we should continue to yeah mix it up <laughs> everybody know, as much as i don't want to take risks you know you yes. have to get out you of your homogeny yeah gotta get out there so Meet I'm someone else who's not like you irish farmers cross out irish farmers um maybe maize the lamb <laughs> the maize okay <laughs> yeah I, I think you're right uh the maize this, like, little corn on the cob is like hey, why me 
Um, now the fungus, the fungus among should us. stay okay. up there for yeah, a little sure. while because it literally, it literally killed was them. the cause. It literally killed them. Um, the landlords are just dirty. Um, the racism, racism, is a big one. Because if they weren't, ra- if it happened to the the people in England, they would have rushed over there. Yeah, right. That is dirty. Um, Nassau Senior, he's the guy. Okay, so wait, we should just clarify. Actually, Nassau Senior, the guy we have up on the board, is actually the economics advisor to Queen Victoria. Right, who was not, like, not who was like, ah, uh, geez, like, oh, probably this will only kill off a million Irish, and that's not going to be enough. Okay, well, that's disgusting. He's disgusting. So he, we're going to keep him up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he deserves a sweet I spot mean, in hell. I think we can take out queen victoria actually Ooh, i don't know i mean because i think this goes back to like what you were saying of like wh- who's at the head yes but at the at, you know now we have parliament and and we have the prime minister right sure. now and at this point she's not she she is a, a monarch and and she is partially ahead of state but t- she doesn't really have that much power she does at this point she's reminding me a little of marie antoinette in this moment but sure she you know so I'm going to qu- cross her off. All right. This might be controversial, but I, I, I just feel like I blame Nas- the Nassau guy more than I blame Queen Victoria. Okay. Because he's he's manipulating her. I hear you. I mean, I guess she shouldn't have been manipulated. Like, I mean, if, if the Irish me farmer should have known to plant other crops, then I think well, she should have list. known. They're off the list. <laughs> if I don't put them up, then people are going to be like, well, why aren't you going <laughs> to? Um, all right. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, beware, beware, beware <laughs> the, the king and the queen, I will still say, but... I, look, the king and the queen. I, king the Henry the the eighth is dirty guy, yeah, right? But I don't think Queen Victoria at this point, right? Is. Yeah, she's grieving. So <laughs> now we we have a, it's a tough right. It's tough right now because we have a lot of people mm. um, that okay. I, actually, before we go further, I'm going to cross Gregory off because while he made it worse he made it worse but i don't think he's to blame i agree for the tragedy i would agree but we hate you gregory we do we don't even want to acknowledge your first name um so fungus british absentee landlords british racism uh nassau senior british laissez-faire government john russell uh, prime minister peel and british um spin the, their spin, their marketing spin. I mean, I feel that the marketing spin really goes hand in hand with the race, with racism, you know, like that, that like it's, it's like, it's racist rhetoric. Yes. I mean, but the, the racism came first. They, sure. they were all feeling that way before, for a long time. Right. Before the famine. So yes. it wasn't like all of a sudden, like, let's make them look bad. So that we don't have to help them. The the, right. the sentiment was already there. That's right. And and the the spin goes beyond just like how we've made the Irish look. It's also how like we've uh, the the British effectively like were like mm, yum yum potatoes. Like do, doesn't this look like they yes. they spun a lot of things knowingly. They did. They did. I mean, I I, I was like about for their to own n- game. Knock it off, but maybe I'll leave it there a little bit longer. They spun. Like the chair, like global charity, and then kept the money as their own. Now the landlords, uh, they were pretty terrible. Um, 
They were terrible. And I, I read accounts of where like oh, a woman was pregnant, like seven months pregnant, and the landlord, like she hadn't paid, she didn't have money, and she had some, uh, I think a few kids, and she was a single parent, and she hadn't paid her rent. They came knocking down her door. They tore it down because at this point they would get um, government officials involved. This was later in the famine. Tore it down, like literally tore the walls off of her house. And the, you know, like a, one of her, like her 13 year old son died and her b- baby, mm. you know, what um, died, the, the, the baby she was pregnant with mm. died. And it, this was kind of like happening. So they were trying to take advantage of this situation because they saw an opportunity to get their land back. Does that make sense? Because they could then use the that land for the government. Uh, Grazing, what do you call it? Grazing the cows. Yeah. Oh, which I also, oh man, not to add another thing, but I think like another big culprit is like the British taste for beef. Did you read this? <laughs> like that they, that they pushed, they gave all, like they gave all of the land to the cows. Oh, that's gross. They gave all the land to can the cows. Can we blame the cows? They push, like, no, we can blame the British taste for beef. We can also like blame the elitism. cows. We can blame whatever we want. Uh, right. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, the cows, they always seem so innocent. I know this is crazy, but I'm going to take fungus off the board. Take fungus off the board. Yeah, I agree. The, okay, so we've got the landlords, racism, NASA, uh, British laissez-faire government, that, that idea, uh, the, and the two prime ministers, and the marketing of of the Irish and uh, British greed. So I think that we can take off Nassau Sr. Yeah. Um, he's been there long enough, and I, I, I don't like him. I don't like him. And he deserves some blame, but we're going to move on from that. The landlords... I, I, I The landlords can't. should stay. I mean... The idea of laissez, the laissez-faire government, too. It's like how... That is That, I think, almost goes together like i think that the uh, right like that the the landlords are sort of the uh the the tangible humans on the ground like right. of laissez, oh, like laissez-faire is the concept and, and the then landlords like the are landlords implementing are, it the landlords are the representation of laissez-faire they're not going to ireland they're letting horrible things happen through their middlemen so we're going to combine those and so, so really, all we have is this marketing spin, the two prime ministers, Peel and Russell, uh, British greed, which I, I'm going to take British greed off. Take greed I like off. it, but we're all greedy. Everyone's greedy. Yeah, yeah. It leaves us with the landlord slash laissez-faire, the, the prime ministers, and racism. And what is like, what is the prime minister? Because I'm going to take the marketing campaign off. Well, I, sure. Although I, I know that it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think like racism is part, you know, like I think racism covers that too. Yeah. That it's like it, it, it's like the the rhetoric of which we're talking about the, the problem and about. Um, Look, yeah, I mean. So what do you feel about these prime ministers? Because well, there's the first one who didn't act fast enough, but then he tried to repeal those corn laws. And then there's the second guy who went in there, who like they ousted the first prime minister and then essentially let them die. Let let the uh, the Irish die. John right. Russell, the prime minister, the second prime minister, he he was the one who took away the soup kitchens and 
and was like, let them, f- you know, they're better off that way, essentially. Guys, I just found something very interesting. Amanda. Oh my God, tell me. Now, some backstory is, is that um, for Rebecca's birthday one year, she did a fake mock trial. She sure did. And that's <laughs> I where I met there. Jacqueline for the first time. <laughs> and I just found a role play mock trial um, that is the British landlords under indictment. <gasps> Um, wow. And this is a PDF that I seem to have somehow accidentally downloaded. <laughs> it's called it's from rethinkingschools.org. org, um, and there's a whole mock trial of an indictment against the British landlords. It says indictment: You are charged with the murder of more than a million Irish peasants who wow. died in the famine years of 1846 and 1847. These were needless deaths. Even without the potato, there was more than enough food produced in Ireland during those years to feed everyone and still have plenty left over the action or lack of action taken by your group led to untold misery you are to blame and there's a a bunch of information here but then it has these um little bullet points for their possible defense of the landlords And so I'll just this read these real quick. Yeah, tell podcast. me. This says the government is responsible for social w- welfare, not the landlords. They're just businessmen. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't mean to hurt anyone, but they had to make a living. And in a capitalist system, products, food included, are sold to the highest bidder. Oh, that's BS. Nothing they did was illegal. They broke no laws. The um, Anglican Church, God's representative on earth, never said that what they did was wrong or immoral, and perhaps it was all for the best because many Irish got to go to America. Wow. Oh my God, dirty. I hate it. Okay. Wow, Mr. Rochester, and he has his wife in the attic. I I have a lot of feelings right now, and as much as I think that, thank you, because that, that has really helpful. given me a lot of clarity. Um as much as I think that Peel and Russell had a uh, a moral obligation. As the government. As the government. They are the government. I almost feel like the landlords, they were the ones there. They're the ones who are seeing the people die. They're the ones who are like evicting these poor, starving Irish people. And actually, some of them were even paying for them to get on these boats like that that was like a good compensation. They'd be like, I'll get rid of you. Mm. I'll put you on a boat and you're no longer my problem. And I don't have to look at you. Mm. I feel like that is almost worse. Because if you're looking at at, at these people and you're watching them die and you, you just don't care. I mean. Yeah. I mean, and as you guys are talking, I'm now thinking like this is this is laissez faire. You know, it's like the government is me- is meant to be separate from right. the economy. And so it's like, is it is it more the government at fault or the economy at fault? It's like, OK, like, fine, we really did separate it, you know, like so. So then now. So, OK, so if we are going to separate the government and and the economy, then don't we as humans like there's a next step, right? If, if you want to go that route then we have to then uh, deal with those repercussions and like have some kind of moral, you know, obligation right. towards the, the, the results of that. Uh, guys, this is getting long, but this mock <laughs> trial role play document is Let's blowing do my mind. We all have to do it. We might have to schedule a bonus episode where we literally <laughs> role play this. Oh my God, please. Now, listen, they're talking about the Anglican Patreon. church in here and yeah, how sure. they might be to, to because blame. Because they, the Catholics. And the Irish were tithing 10% oh. to this church. This is 
this is why this is such a complicated <laughs> tragedy. This is blowing my mind. They also have the British government in here and they have the political economy, the system of colonial capitalism. So, I mean, we've hit a lot of the same beats yeah. that this document is good. reiterating. So we're good, okay. um, I think, from what we have. But at some point, I mean, oh my God, we knew this was going to be a big one, but this is yes. How are intense. we all not incensed about the potato famine? <laughs> I, 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 I just I want to say I was... <laughs> I am. I continue to be. Ah! Um, I, okay. I do feel that, you know, it all comes down to economics and that the government would have behaved differently uh-huh. if the economics of the situation were any different. So and, that, that. Does that trump racism then? Uh, see, no, I, I'm not there yet. I'm just between okay. the, I'm just between the land. <laughs> because I'm trying to figure out, uh, we haven't even touched on the racism Cause part. Because that, I know, because that made me tip over more towards like the landlords being at fault because right. I was like, right, like they, they are like, they're holding ec- so much economic power and they're setting so many rules and getting away with so much. And uh, is a part of that, like is what they're telling themselves that because of racism, you know, this is what racism yes. is essentially. They're telling themselves, the landlords are telling themselves that they can care. They're allowing themselves to care less about these people that are dying because they're, they're less human. They're less human. Absolutely. Sorry, I have to just amend this real quick. So this is even worse. I, I'm not saying we put the Anglican Church on the board, but I was just <laughs> saying the Irish were Catholics, but they were forced to tithe 10% of their crops to the Anglican Church, despite not even being, being a part of it. Oh, gross. So that's just a clarification on that. That's really gross. But that sure. I still don't think they're overall to blame, but I mean, that's we, nasty, yeah, dirty business yeah, over dirty there. Yeah, dirty business. Um, yeah, they're, they're I mean, this goes back to Henry VIII. Off of the, you know, poor starving people. And this goes back to Henry VIII. Can <laughs> like, we blame Henry VIII? He started, he started the Anglican Church. <laughs> oh my goodness. He's, he he renounced Catholicism and... I, let's stick to what we have yeah. here because I think we're Henry having VIII, a hard you're time. You're still <laughs> in the doghouse, dude. Jacqueline keeps wanting to put people on the board. <laughs> I know, it's hard. I'm trying Amanda to take brought them up off. that one. I know, I'm no. sorry. I need to stop well, researching. Look, it, so, look, shame on you, Anglican Church. Shame on you. Yeah. And, and look, shame on you, Catholics, right now, too. But like back then, not so much. So we have these three things that we have to decide, and, and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be we easy. We have the landlords. Uh, you know, slash the laissez-faire government, racism, uh, and the two prime ministers. Which I, I'm lumping together because yes. one... The government. Uh, yeah, the government. Is the government the, but, versus... But the, sure, I guess I, I would love to pinpoint it. They're the heads of the government, so we can put it on them. I... Uh, at, in at my own research, day. in my own research, I feel like I, I read that peel did seem to go out of his way and do this in a subversive way where he he made the attempt sure. with the corn. It was very late. It, it was, was very a late. year after. But he went like, I think that he like went sort of under the radar with it because he was going to get in trouble by the British. Like, so like that, like whatever, day late and a dollar short peel. But I didn't read like anything good that John Russell did. Well, that, fine. Let's take peel off then. I mean, I, I'm not happy with him. Uh, yeah um but uh okay fine yeah he's no he's not we'll 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 keep then john russell now Uh, what are we gonna do with these three uh things i i feel like you have convinced me both you and amanda have now convinced me that the landlords are now more at fault than the government (sighs) 
And I, I honestly, I do not feel comfortable not including racism in there. I was then going to say, if, if we're going to, and if what's we're the gonna, root of race, you know, like, yeah. and then how does racism play into economics? I'm totally I, and completely, it has to. totally so, and completely it does. I don't know about you, but I think I've made my uh, mind up. I have to. Okay, then it's settled. We are sending the landlords, the British landlords and their uh, racism to the alarmist jail. So that was a a, a really difficult Oof. one. Um, I'm glad you were here Ugh. to help me. I couldn't have Thanks done that by help. myself. Oh my gosh. Aaron Gobra. <laughs> that means Ireland for eternity. Aww. After the famine, the survivors were able to do better financially speaking. Real wages rose significantly. The competition for land had decreased, so farmers were better off. Those who emigrated, predominantly to the United States, had a better quality of life, but many struggled through survivor's guilt. Vote for who you think is to blame. Go to www.thealarmistpodcast.com. And if you have any thoughts, send us an email at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at thealarmistpodcast on Instagram and at alarmistthe on Twitter. Tune in next week as we'll be getting real dirty and talking about the Exxon Valdez oil spill. Erios. Powered by ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.